Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to The Parenthood. Now, this is a first for both me and my guest today, because it turns out we know each other pretty well. In front of me today, I have none other than my husband, the adventurer, author, TV presenter, father of two, Ben Fogel. Ben, thank you for being on The Parenthood today. You nervous? <laughs> well, I couldn't really get out of it because, <laughs> because you told me you weren't going to cook dinner for me until I, uh, <laughs> I did this. So I'm kind of stuck here now. Because you never learned how to cook. <laughs> no, because you never, you, 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 you don't let me cook, to be honest. <laughs> So today we're going to talk about how you do parenthood. Uh, let's start at the beginning. You always wanted to be the father of many children. What did you expect and how did the reality of actually being a parent differ? I think, I think most people tend to dream or aspire to have the same number of children as they came from in, in terms of how many siblings they had. And I had two sisters like you. So I was one of three. Um, I was the middle. And, and, and I think... My hopes had always been perhaps that I would have three children and 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 I was incredibly lucky as a child as well to have such a, a kind of an eclectic childhood. My, I, I grew up above dad's veterinary clinic. It was full of animals. Mum was a very famous actress at the time. So there were all sorts of actors and actresses wandering in and out of the house and photographers and paparazzi and we'd go on crazy holidays to Canada. So... Although I just took it for granted, in retrospect, it was it was super cool. And I, I suppose that's what I wanted for my children. So that was my vision when I was younger. And then as the years went on, I think three became four, became five, became six. You definitely told me six at mm, one stage. I did. There was a point, I think it was, it was shortly after I had spent a year marooned on an island with a lot of time to think. And I decided there and then six sounded cool. I, I like the idea of being completely outnumbered. There was something rather attractive about the chaos that would be guaranteed. And then we obviously had Ludo. And uh, how did your perception of how many children you wanted then change when the sort of stark reality of what it was actually like to have a baby hit? Did you change your idea of how many children you wanted? I think um, my my hopes for six became one after Ludo was <laughs> was born. Um, it it's it, it definitely caught me by surprise. Parenthood. What do you say? The birth or the parenthood or the. The pregnancy was pretty straightforward with Ludo. It wasn't too bad. I think. I think it's everything, really. I think. Um, I think the whole thing is so overwhelming and unexpected. However much you prepare, you can't really fully understand just what it involves on on a, on so many different levels, from the emotional level. And and you're right. Listen, L well, you say that L Ludo being born, we you had a crash C-section. It, it it was quite traumatic. He was in ICU for a while. Um, no, it, I said the pregnancy wasn't so bad. Oh, the pre okay. There you go. The pregnancy. I was uh, there. You go. I was I was jumping ahead there. No, the pregnancy. But you you did all that. I just I just got to kind of watch you grow because you didn't come to any antenatal classes so you really did you have any idea what to expect none none whatsoever and 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 it wasn't entirely planned that I wouldn't come to any antenatal classes you just weren't around I was so. just away <laughs> you were lucky to have a doctor as a sister-in-law who mm -hmm. ca currently was working in obs and gyne in the hospital that we were delivering in <laughs> I mean, how lucky was that? And the whole, I mean, the the birth was was unforgettable on so many levels. Myself and and your sister, um, my sister in law Kiara, um, waiting 
in uh, a, a, a little side room. I, d- I don't recall a huge amount about where it was or, or how we were in there. I remember watching television with her while you were um, well, waiting to give birth to, to Ludo. It was quite a long process. Very long Longer process. for you. <laughs> Longer for you. <laughs> Um, but that was, as I, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, it was, it was pretty traumatic for all of us, especially for you. But for me, kind of watching being completely helpless was, was pretty overwhelming. And, and maybe there and then I did think actually some antenatal classes might have been quite useful just to prepare me for this eventuality. But, you know, being being given a, a pair of scrubs and told that you were going to be cut open in five minutes time is um, is crazy. I, I, I had no preparation for that. I kind of like to think of myself as quite a worldly, well-prepared person. I look at all eventualities, I, you know, with, with expedition planning. I'm, I'm pretty good at it now. I, I, it hasn't always been the case, but years of practice have made sure I, I cross the T's and dot the I's. But I didn't do that with with <laughs> with our first so for me the big shock with parenthood was actually I mean the birth I kind of that was quite difficult but we were supported by so many people and doctors and nurses and we we're in hospital it was the coming home afterwards it was this realization that this little thing needed to be fed every three hours and the feeding wasn't necessarily straightforward and that that was my life forever basically well I think you and I both kind of thought it wouldn't be much different to having a dog (laughs) (laughs) and uh, we had two dogs so I think we both thought it would be a breeze really and we'd had puppies do you remember Maggie'd had puppies about a year ago we had 12 puppies we had we'd had 12 puppies in the house that was full on and I just remember thinking we've had 12 puppies how how hard can one baby be and I think we were probably both thrown by um just the it's the intensity of it. Listen, you know, we're, we're hardly unique. <laughs> Most of the world goes through this. But you do at that moment when you bring that precious little baby through the front door and close it behind you, you feel like you are the only person in the world going through that, waking up every couple of hours. And we shared the shifts. We, we um, because uh, as a father, you do feel a little bit helpless. Because you know that you're producing the milk. You're the, 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 there's this unique bond between mother and baby, and and I think a lot of new fathers do feel slightly helpless and hopeless in those first few weeks on on many different levels. Maybe even the first few months. To be honest, it's that the, the the bond isn't as instantaneous. I think as it is with the mother. You 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 have this beautiful child that you love more than anything, but but you don't have this this kind of visceral connection i think perhaps that that mothers do and that that makes it a little bit harder as well because you do you feel like you're in this kind of moonlight stage where you're the only person in the world that is waking up at four o'clock in the morning and marching around the corner with this little child in a in a pram and and latterly um in in a baby bjorn Uh, you were very good at changing nappies i remember I think that's one of the really good things because I was ill for quite a long time afterwards. You had to sort of get really hands on straight away, slightly chucked in at the deep end. It's probably the, the, a benefit, wasn't it? The the whole nappy thing, I think, is a a bit. It's a bit crazy that people are all. Like, I think people big up how gross and disgusting changing baby nappies are. Well. I don't know, maybe that's where having a dog really did help. Um, having picked up after dogs for so many years, to be honest, baby poo, especially at that stage, is a lot nicer. Uh, it never it never grossed me out. As the child grows, as Ludo got older and, and got onto solid foods, the poo does change a little bit. And um, we, we uh, christened it the Poonamis when, uh, when it would just explode out of the nappies. And those were pretty disgusting. I remember a few wretches but that was that was later on now I was very happy to do the the nappy changing I think and it's the one burping you're very good the, at the burping and the burping yeah we had the burping song I had a little burping song I'd spend hours with Ludo on my lap bouncing him up and down uh and the satisfaction of getting a little burp out of him oh it was ama- I can still remember that it's amazing how you do the kind of fog of time does um uh, make you forget certain um elements of it but I do remember the burping so you're obviously one of probably the most traveled fathers in in the UK I mean you know we would reckon you spend about 
what do we reckon eight eight nine months of the year abroad that is sometimes with you and our children though to be to be fair that makes me sound like a terrible husband no it doesn't make you sound like a hard-working um but But, i mean obviously you really miss the kids now was there a time right at the beginning i remember you getting going to ethiopia when ludo was about three weeks old and i you i know you missed us but was there a tiny little weeny bit of you that was like oh i can't wait for some peace and quiet I think it was the first time I boarded a, a, a sort of an eight or nine hour journey on a plane in economy and kind of like punched the air that I was so lucky that I was going to actually get some sleep. <laughs> it was like, woohoo! Uh, usually my heart sinks when uh, I, I have experiences like that, which is quite a lot. Um, so yes, I have to admit, just, just it, it felt like just pressing a pause button. And But there was guilt as well, because I was leaving you behind to kind of carry on. I remember you being rather tearful at the door as I, I left. I was in like floods of tears, sobbing as we waved your taxi away. Yeah, you were, which... <laughs> And and that was that was actually a bit of a shock to the system because I'd never seen that before. You you were used to me going away on long trips, and and I think it it was um, I, I, it was the moment, wasn't it? It was it was that that moment in our in in our family life when I had to kind of leave you to to keep the the, the ball rolling. Fend for myself. Yeah, and I did. You know, I'm not much of a crier, but I felt very helpless and very dependent on you in that moment and but in a weird way actually I think when you were left you were gone for like two weeks and I thought right I'm going to go and sort this out I'm going to try and get him feeding a bit more a bit better and sleeping a little bit more and I think when you returned I was kind of on it a bit more wasn't I? I think so and I, I, I was so excited to come back to see how Ludo had grown and to see how kind of how life had progressed, and and I think you were you you kind of I I, I was probably away for two weeks or so, and uh, and actually I, I remember vividly I was working with other children out in Ethiopia, um, uh, uh, children who really did have nothing and and families who had nothing, and I remember just coming back thinking how lucky we were and how lucky I was to have you um uh carrying on and 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 doing this incredible job and i think you did i think you did become much more um uh, i don't know what the word is confident yes a brilliant mother is. Uh, uh, you, is that yeah. what you're searching yes, for yes 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 <laughs> <laughs> if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So when we talk about sort of anticipation of of parenthood, and I think one thing that neither of us anticipated was the fact that you do expose yourself to vulnerability, that you experience grief, um, and the first our first experience of that was was in my in our first pregnancy when I we found out that I'd miscarried at twelve weeks at our twelve week scan. Um, had you even heard of miscarriage before? How aware were you of the risks and and whether or not? I think we were both really shocked, weren't we, when we first realized that there was no heartbeat yeah Uh, listen of course I'd heard of miscarriage um and 
I don't think I knew anyone that had necessarily had miscarriages. I, I, I now know I knew loads of people, but it, it, they either hadn't told me or maybe it hadn't registered. And, and I rather brazenly and arrogantly just assumed that it wouldn't happen to us. So I remember the excitement of, of waiting till that 12-week um, moment when we could tell everyone. And of course, we told immediate friends before that. But just counting down the seconds till I could shout from the rooftop and say, guess what? We're, we're having a little baby. And, and we went to, um, I, I remember this vividly. I remember we, we went to St. Mary's and I remember to ha- having the scan um, and... And I remember I wanted to film it on my phone. And I remember the, the doctor saying, no, I don't think you should. I don't think it's a good idea. And, um, and, and I, I agreed with her and I put the phone down and, and then she couldn't find the, the heartbeat. And, and it was just the, I don't know what, what the, the word is really to even describe it. And there was a lot of shock. I remember feeling shock. I don't know if it was shock for me. I think it was, it was disappointment which I know sounds terrible because, you know, it's it's much more than just disappointment. It, it probably is something that should have elicited shock. But I think for me, it was disappointment that all these kind of hopes that I'd had for the last three weeks, all these dreams that I'd had were suddenly gone before, um, before I could even tell anyone really. And and then it and then it came to the point you know we we'd actually planned do you remember this we 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 had planned and invited everyone over that night presumptuously we'd invited everyone for dinner and i had to de-invite everyone no but then i told you to go ahead do you remember we still well went i decided to call party. everyone and i decided to tell them why they'd been invited and then tell them that actually you were no longer pregnant but we still wanted them to come along which was incredibly awkward for everyone I remember it was a really good night. I remember being really happy that I was surrounded mm. by my friends. And I remember those the phone calls being really awkward, though, because we just you and I we're very honest. You know, listen to us now. We're we're, we're always um, we've always been honest, and I think both you and I come from the school of honesty. You you have to to be like that, and we were brutally honest when we called everyone. Hi, just so you know, you were going to be coming tonight because we were going to tell you that Marina's pregnant and we're having a baby. But she's not now, but we'd still like you to come. And everyone came. It's kind of amazing. And it was. It was a really fun night. But that's kind of a crazy call to give someone. I, I'd have been slightly thrown by that. But uh, maybe that's testament to uh, our friends. I think that was the right thing to do. I kind of felt that sort of sobbing alone wasn't going to help me. But actually being surrounded by friends and plenty of wine was probably one of the best things we could have done mm. under the circumstances. Mm. I agree. I agree. And I think friends, friends and family you know get you through those those kind of those difficult dark moments and and not and not just um things like that but just the intensity of of parenthood anyway there you you need your friends and your family to to get you through those difficult moments and to kind of put a smile on your face and remind you that you're not the only one going through it and then obviously the kind of big kind of grief point for us was when our son Willem was stillborn in 2014 and you were on the other side of the world when you got the phone call from Kiara saying that you needed to come back as soon as possible. I think, you know, women often talk about, other ones talking about child loss, baby loss. It's often the men don't get a chance to talk about it. How, I mean, that, that was obviously a huge shock for you, you weren't, we, we thought it was a healthy pregnancy and we thought all was fine and you were going to come back in a couple of days and I would still be pregnant and we'd have a baby in a few weeks. But that grief affected us in very different ways, didn't mm. you Didn't you think? Well, that, I mean, I'll definitely use the word shock for that one because, you know, I was confident enough to travel halfway across the world just a few weeks before you were due to give birth for... For my late grandmother's hundredth birthday, and and to get a call in the middle of the night, you know, I was so confident I didn't even have my phone on. L- luckily, my father was in the same hotel in Canada as me, and and your sister got through to him, and then he came down to my my hotel room and woke me up in the middle of the night and and said that you'd lost you'd lost our child, and and I I had to get back as soon as possible. 
and I and I think that the shock then turned to horror when I kind of realized that not only had had we we lost our child but that you you were very near to I was very near to losing you and I think that that remains a kind of a blur in my mind in many ways um everything went into slow motion getting the ticket racing from the hotel at four in the morning to catch the first flight um and then the, the not knowing getting on that plane and not knowing whether I was going to see you again I mean that's you know for, for me if anything that that kind of left a lasting scar that's that was awful and almost overshadowed losing our little child I know that sounds strange and harsh and weird to say that but I could I could process the fact that we we'd lost a little boy that I was never going to meet but the idea that I'd lose you was just unbearable it's kind of the your worst nightmare getting on a plane door closing 8 hours of not knowing and then and then getting I think the the bigger shock for me was a little like miscarriage I hadn't I'd never thought about stillbirth I'd never thought about losing a child that late on and the fact that the child is there and getting to uh, arriving in Austria coming into the hospital flooded with light I remember it like it was yesterday this flooded with light you in the middle and and I just remember you saying do you do you want to meet him I think you should and 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 that was true shock for me the the suggestion that that we were that we were actually going to meet our son I, I, I if I if I'm to be honest at the time I didn't want to I didn't it did it didn't occur to me that I'd have the opportunity and I kind of didn't I didn't I didn't want to which is a really odd thing and you and your sister and the doctors all um insisted is too hard a word it's um, advised that it was really important for both of us and I know you wanted to well you, I think I was the same as you I mm. was advised and I'd never yeah and, and, and we were advised and, and he was brought in wrapped in a, a little blanket and, and we held him and we looked at him and, and we named him and, and all of those things were completely out of my book of life I think I, I, I like to think of myself as quite a rounded individual I'm pretty tolerant and 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 pretty um thick-skinned I I can deal with most things I've seen a lot in my travels but that was completely out of my realm of of understanding comfort um everything it took me so far from my comfort zone climbing Everest is going to uh, be more in my comfort zone than I was in that room um holding our little boy but it was so important it, it was so important we did it gave us both an element of closure we took photographs of him and and I think it was a you know it was an important moment for both of us to kind of say goodbye and I think where it probably differs between you and I is that you I kind of feel the mother gets to know the child as it's growing within but but a father you get to put your hand on the belly and and but but you're you're there's always a separation so I kind of never I felt like I never really got to meet him but I think you probably did and I, I remember funny enough a, a moment when you got very emotional um a, a few months after that and uh, and very teary and you said it's you you said I, I just miss him so much and and I kind of it, it was just a stray for me I found it a difficult context because I couldn't miss him so much because I never met him and 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 I think that was a moment when I realized well actually you did you did know him you knew him more than I did because you had this this maternal connection while he was he was growing within but but the whole you know it, it affected us deeply and we, we went we went to see a a grief counselor which I think was incredibly important so we could both understand how we both coped with it and uh yeah i think it remains a a big part of who we are doesn't it it does and i think i think we probably dealt with the grief in different ways like i was definitely very much in shock at the beginning I, do you remember i couldn't i didn't cry for like 3 days and then suddenly the taps turned on and i couldn't stop crying and i think for that first 
six months really. I cried certainly many times a day at the beginning and then once a day and then I'd almost feel like if I hadn't cried for a bit I needed to cry whereas you were less tearful in those early stages possibly than I was but it potentially affected you a little later on I think there was that sort of sink or swim like you needed to be there for me for Ludo and Iona physically there for me as well and it was only I suppose when I got a bit stronger and got a bit better that you were almost allowed to grieve and allowed to process your feelings. Yeah, my mine kind of manifested itself in a in 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 a very different and, and to me an unexpected way, but it kind of made sense when we spoke to our grief counselor. Um, I remember having this an inability to. Well, I, I decided to, to, I just didn't want to be around other people for a period of time. And then there was that big decision, when do I go back to work? Because it's, I'm not saying my work is any more special, but if I was just going to go into an office and sit at a computer, I could kind of do that because I could kind of grieve while tapping on a, uh, on a keyboard. But to, as, a, as a TV presenter, I have to be smiley and I have to be jovial and I have to kind of be myself. That's the, 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 being a TV presenter is a, a raw, is, is, is very raw. You're, you're not an actor. You're not pretending to be someone. You, you are who you are. And, and, and that was quite hard, just deciding when was the right moment because I couldn't fake happiness. I, 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 and, and, and I also felt it was wrong um, to, to suddenly go back to this kind of, fickle world of presenting when this huge tragedy had had struck us so that was the first thing and and and, and I, I could get my head around that and it, it I can't remember the amount of time I left it but eventually um, I, I went back to work and, and actually that was fine because it was I was surround I was doing a series at the time surrounded by people I knew and uh, and I felt comfortable but then did you talk about it with them I did yes and I think they were all quite shocked about it because I'd be in the, I remember the first country I went to was to to Laos um, in, in the Far East uh, on the Mekong River. And we did, we were in this beautiful place and I talked about it a lot. I kind of had to, really. It was my way of kind of, I had to vocalize it perhaps to, to make make it easier. And, uh, and I think they were probably a bit surprised at how honest I was when I was out there. But I, I found it very important to do that. And then I think the next, the, 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 then I was fine for a while. And then I remember going to a big red carpet event. It was a film premiere or uh, perhaps a big award ceremony. I don't, I don't recall exactly what it was, but I went on my own. I, I, can't, I think you were maybe looking after, <laughs> looking after our children. I had to go to this event. And I remember going in past all the photographers and I was kind of fine with that. And then I got into the event and I just panicked. I had a I had a sort of panic attack, and I had to go to the loo, and hide myself in a cubicle. I, I couldn't. I I just didn't want to go out. I didn't want to see people, um, and I left. I, I literally just walked straight back out the door. And I th I thought it was just an odd one off. And then a couple of days later, I had to go to another event like that, and exactly the same thing happened. And I, and I spoke to our brief cancer because this this then started to kind of. Um, it, it snowballed and, and, and I, unless it was just one or two people, I, I, I found myself um, overwhelmed, surrounded by strangers um, at, at any sort of event, party, dinners with, with more than two people. And, uh, and, and what was fascinating was that our grief counsellor said it was completely understandable. It was all about control. It was about having lost control um, when I was in Canada Com completely unable to do anything um having lost our son nearly losing you I, I i suddenly didn't like losing control in a big situation where i didn't know where everyone was going to be who was going to be there who was going to come up to me who was going to chat what they were going to chat about were they going to talk about um uh, our loss were they going to talk uh, about our children were they going to talk about something completely different I couldn't it, it it became this this huge kind of storm in my head and and that lasted for about two years it lasted a long time actually I'd, I'd kind of have overwhelming bouts of it and uh, and yeah it was probably two years later that I was able to re-control and it's and it's fine now yeah it I think one thing 
we we potentially both took away from that experience certainly I did was you realize that you never know when the end is around the corner you never know what is around the corner and actually we're so blimming lucky to get to live this life it's if we you know if we're lucky enough to get here it's our prerogative it's our duty to live every day to the full and I try to put that into the way I live my life you know even if I'm not like you climbing Everest but every meal I have with the kids I try and laugh properly I give them the biggest hugs every morning I kind of smell them and sniff them and pinch myself at how lucky I am and obviously that sort of ties in with your next big adventure which is it's climbing Everest which so many people have said to me you know how do you feel about it and and I really I admire you for taking this on because it's not an easy thing to do it's not an easy thing to go away from your family for eight weeks and it's not an easy thing to face danger firsthand do you feel that the experience of losing Willem intensified your desire to put you know more enjoyment and more fun and more experience into your life well you know we came out of that very dark period with kind of um, a, a whole new approach to life, as as you've just said, we 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 wanted to live every minute to the max. We wanted to celebrate our children. We kind of wanted to never um, get annoyed with them. We wanted, uh, you know, a, a house just full of happiness, which is kind of what we both had growing up, and we've done that. I'd say that we've done that brilliantly. I think losing Willem for me did have a profound effect on on me and in many different ways and one of them was just a reminder that that you have to live your life and 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 you should have no regrets and I've always I've I've always lived like that and and, and I've always preached that and I've always told people that that's how I lived but if I'm to be honest when when Ludo and Iona came along I did definitely step back from doing the slightly bigger challenges which I've always loved the the bigger adventures listen I'm often away and I travel and and I'm incredibly lucky that I have you as as such a supportive wife and I, I couldn't do this without your backing and your support and your your amazing motherhood back at home um, that that's what makes it possible but but I definitely did kind of pull back on some of the things that that really made me who I am. So, so going swimming with crocodiles two weeks after Iona's ball didn't count. Well, that was that. <laughs> was, that listen, the, sorry, the, going the, diving, scuba diving with crocodiles. That that was one of the sillier things, maybe that uh, I've done, and I think we learn from our mistakes. Um, uh, you see, this is the thing. I always forget that you see the shows in the end. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't pretend they didn't happen. But, but I, no. But but you know that that was still a sort of six or seven years ago. And I think Everest, as you know, has been something that's been on my mind for years and years and years. I've kind of always wanted to do it, and we've spoken about it often in the past. And I think we we'd both decided no, it's it's not quite right. It's not the right time. It's not. It's it's not fair on the children. It's not fair on the family, and 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 I think we both agreed. And then post Willem, I just I think I revisited it, and I, I I thought long and hard, and we thought long and hard. You know, when we we're discussing all of this about where you do draw the line, when do you stop being who you are to be a parent, and when do you um, use who you are to inspire your children. And, and, and to show them that um, y- y- nothing should hold you back from your your dreams. And and I think that's that's where I am now. And I still, you can hear from my kind of, the, the, uh, I still find it a difficult subject to talk about this, this one, Everest, and justifying it. Because I can't really justify it, let's be honest. It is a bit of a selfish thing that I want to go and climb this mountain. But I can't, I can't kind of dress it up in in any other way except that you know how excited our children are that I'm off to do it again, and and it gives me immense satisfaction pouring over maps with them and them looking through all my equipment and gear and 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 the idea that I can come back and and tell them the tale of uh, what might just be an attempt. You know, I might I might not get any further than base camp I might not even get there but it's the trying that counts and and I really I want to be 
I don't want to just be the father, the dad who did all those things. I kind of want to also be a dad who does them. I kind of, I, I, I want, I want Ludo and Iona to have seen me kind of when, when I'm doing the thing that I love. And, 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 and that's where I'm kind of slightly torn because the two things I love most are being a father and a husband, um, but also kind of exploring, traveling, journeying, testing myself, pushing myself, because Everest is a really, really scary thing for me. It's, I, th- I think a lot of people don't fully understand quite what a monumental challenge that is for me. I'm terrified of heights, terrified of failure, and terrified of leaving my family. Um, so, so taking on all of those things is a massive challenge. It will easily beat anything else from a personal perspective that I've ever done before, but I need to do that for, for my own confidence. And, and when I say for my own confidence, that's not a selfish confidence. That's a confidence that I can bring back to, to my parenting, that I can then be the, the dad that I kind of want to be to my children rather than hiding behind a, a facade of, um, of someone else. We're both big believers in leading by example. And I think one of the things that probably makes us a good couple is that we have the same attitude when it comes to risk. We both really encourage our children to take sort of physical risks and to put them, push themselves out of their comfort zone. And I suppose that, you know, climbing Everest is exactly, you know, one of the key messages that we want to send to our children as, as parents, us two personally. Listen... If I don't reach the summit of Everest, that could probably be one of the greatest lessons uh, we could ever teach our children, that that failure is acceptable. And that as long as you've had a go, as long as you've tried, that is all that counts. That's, that's, that's the only important thing in life. Just have a go. All parents will recognize that. When you put a plate down in front of them and there's a tiny piece of pink salmon just try a little bit if you don't like it it doesn't matter and and you know as you 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 and I both know our daughter will stick her little finger on it and then lick the finger and go no I don't like it it's disgusting it's horrible <laughs> but but our approach has always been just try I, I don't if you don't like it you don't like it that I, I don't I'm not going to make you eat it but just try and I think where um uh where as parents, we're trying to encourage our children to do that. We have to do that as parents ourselves as well. And I, and I think they, they do have to embrace risk, you know. And, and I love the, the exciting trips and adventures and opportunities that, that we're able to give our children. And that's partly through what I do. And, and it's partly through me pushing my own buttons. And it's it's also something that I kind of I'm constantly telling children when I go to different schools and I'm constantly um, telling people the, the the virtues of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to, to appreciate what you have and I think for me the idea of, of taking myself out of my comfort zone for six or seven weeks or so up in the high Himalayas will be a, a I think it will will remind me not that I need reminding how lucky I am that I've got you um, and that we've got two beautiful children and that I, I think we're the luckiest people on this planet. Do you think fatherhood has changed you as a person? It's, it, fatherhood's very complicated. Um, some people may say it's it, it doesn't change them at all. It, but for me, it's a little bit like a, a roller coaster. It's, it's changed me... Um, in many different ways and those changes don't necessarily last but it does it makes it it in one way I kind of want to molly coddle all of you I kind of want to kind of just put cotton wool around and make sure that you're all safe forever and that we're all just safe forever and nothing happens to us but on the other hand I want to give all these amazing opportunities and encourage um, our children and and you to to kind of to to push ourselves a little further than than we'd normally want to and to take risks and 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 those kind of feelings wax and wane and they change 
uh, and I can't really, I, I can't really say uh, what makes me change so frequently whether it's the moon i don't know whether it's the male menopause i have no idea what it is but <laughs> is there I, a such a thing i don't know i don't know apparently there is <laughs> need to do a podcast on it well, if there maybe, is maybe uh but you know I, I i wake up one day and and um and i and i feel slightly different and, and i can't necessarily relate um or explain why maybe you're just exhausted it could well be <laughs> coming back you know straight back from new zealand straight into the school run can uh take its toll sometimes but straight into a tantrum because iona's gloves aren't quite the right shape exactly and, and it's testing and it's you know it, it is testing uh and i think especially when i know how lucky our children are i do find that quite difficult sometimes when i come back from countries where I've seen um, just how tough life can be, it, um, it 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 is a reality check, and I kind of um, I do have to kind of hold my tongue sometimes when when our children are, are, are kind of playing up a little bit. But then that's that's parenthood, isn't it? So. We have a laugh too. You know, there are definitely sometimes when kind of everything goes wrong, or the kind of tantrum is so ridiculous, or the question is so ridiculous that we just instead of sort of cry, we just laugh together. And I, I think that's really important just to to get through it because it's hard it's I mean in terms of endurance I think parenting especially that age when they're little when they can't do much you know, we were talking about it today how we used to just walk the buggy round and round the streets just for the sake of it you'd be counting down the hours until they could go to sleep it is it's 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 exhausting it's exhausting but I think you and I would agree that 95% of the time it's it's so joyful and so happy um, and so pleasurable that that the five percent that that we have, you know, us are now uh, six and eight, and and the tantrums are far fewer. Although we did have a monumental one the other day, um, uh, I, I still think. And when they I'm save away, them for when you get back. I think I think I think you're probably <laughs> right. Um, I, I th- certainly when I'm away, I, I look back on our family life with rose-tinted glasses, and it's all laughing and beautiful kind of summer sun um uh, dappled light through the trees playing out on the grass and and we do actually have a lot of that um but it's just i i i I think our approach to parenthood has always been with a smile on your face and to think how lucky we are because i think especially when when you've lost you really appreciate um what you have and i think both you and i have come through those darker periods stronger people and and i think it's i think it's i would say it's made us better parents because it's made us more tolerant i think i think we're both less irritable uh with the children after um after what happened i think i think we've realized that we have to enjoy every second we have we have to live every moment and it doesn't have to be perfect no. the whole time it's, there's no such thing as as perfect parenthood is there um that's that's the joy it should if uh, anyone who has perfect parenthood is 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 not experiencing um the true realities of of having children i don't think you when you were little you weren't a bold child you weren't a brave person i can't remember i can't imagine i mean from what you told me of your childhood you weren't going to be the one that sort of tried sushi or you know the sort of crazy thing and you weren't the, the most confident if there was one thing that you would tell ludo who is probably quite similar to you. I mean, physically, you're very similar. Um, and I think personality, I mean, your mother always says that, you know, his kindness is something that you had. If there was one piece of advice that you could give him that you wish you'd been given in retrospect, what would that be? I think it's it's to to be true to yourself and to to be who you are, not who other people want you to be. And And by that, I don't necessarily mean personality i i mean I, I as you've just mentioned i you know i was hopelessly unacademic failed all my exams i'm desperately shy terrible at sport um i, I was a bit geeky i just I, I didn't conform to kind of the the cool boys at school and i kind of really wanted to and and, and that wanting kind of de- definitely affected my childhood because um I, I i wanted to be the sporty one. I wanted to be the academic. I, I wanted to be the cool boy. And I wish, in in retrospect, I wish I had just accepted 
who I was back then. Um, Because that takes a lot of confidence. It does. It takes a lot of confidence. And and it took me about 40 years, to be quite honest, to to reach that point of just thinking, well, this is who I am. I'm not going to change this now. This this is it. Here I am. I'm, I'm in it for the long run. And I think if you... If if someone had just explained that to me, I wouldn't necessarily have believed it. But if someone had just said, just be who you are, be confident with that. Be proud of it. Well, I think and because and, with that confidence in who you are, confidence gives you your, your personality grows because because your personality sort of um, gets shut away when you're trying to be someone else. It's almost like being an actor. It's. it's um, I, and I suppose being a presenter has helped me in many ways because being a presenter, you have to be honest. You are you're stripped of of any uh, um, anything to hide behind. You're 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 there. You're out um, on the stage, and and I think that probably helped grow that confidence. And with that confidence, kind of maybe my personality has come out a little bit and and this is who I am and I think if I had done that when I was Ludo's age I think it would have helped me through those early years and and perhaps I'd have I'd have been a happier boy not not that I was unhappy but I think a lot of that angst would have would have gone so in 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 a long-winded way you know I love talking Marina uh in a long-winded way um I would just say to him just be confident with who you are don't try and change for anyone. What's the worst part of being a parent? For me now, it's being away, actually, believe it or not. Um, I find it really hard. I was away, as you know, last week in New Zealand. And, and actually that I found really hard. I was I was living with a, a family. So uh, I, I, I spent, uh, whatever, 10 days with a family and their six-year-old and their four-year-old. And, and, and I was homesick. I was really homesick. Um, I think it, it reminded me of what I was missing and, and I felt guilty that I was with another family, not my own family. And uh, and, and I do, I've, I, I think the, the worst thing, believe it or not, I, know you, I can see you looking at me going, no, there must be something else. You're just saying that. But it is, it's, it's, it's the missing. And when I'm away, I do miss all of you because um, I suffer FOMO of missing out I know you're all having fun and uh, and I kind of want to be there I don't want to miss our children growing up it's it's one of the things so many people often say don't don't wish away um, their childhoods don't, don't don't keep wishing they were a little bit older for whatever reason that is because before you know it um, that they'll be off to university and and gone and you know we see our children creeping up in height I come back from a trip and Ludo looks an inch taller um, so, so the, I think the hardest thing is that my job entails being away for long periods of time and the missing. We do have an amazing time when you're back though. We just, I feel like even though you're away a lot, the time that you're back, we kind of make the most of every moment. And like, we just had a weekend, which is just a normal weekend. And we were sledging. I just feel like it was just every moment was brilliant. Even the tantrum, we sort of, <laughs> we gave each other sort of sly looks and smirks. Um, and I think, the fact that we have these precious little windows when we're all together intensifies. It just makes us realize that we've got to make the most of it. And I think that increases our enjoyment of it. Well, I, that's certainly how I deal with it. Because as you know, when I'm back, I'm here full time. I'm not, I'm not a part time dad when I come back. I don't kind of go off with mates to the pub in the evening. I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm in it full time you're I'm not allowed back. to you have to come record podcasts no, 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 no. when's my dinner coming by the way um couple more questions what's the most surprising part of being a parent what did you not anticipate um just how funny how funny children are and when i say funny it's just it, it just blows my mind the questions they ask and the things they say and and how much they make us laugh i i really didn't realize children age six and eight and they've been doing this for a couple of years now could make us laugh so much Uh, that I think was one of the most unexpected well my next question was going to be what's the best part of parenthood I think the best part of it is is being together you know what nothing actually let's move that on one one more stage it's traveling with them 
we're, we're, we're about to go on a, a, a family holiday to Sri Lanka. And my dream had always been taking all of you away to explore and visit the places that I'm lucky enough to, to visit on my, for, for work. And, uh, and for me, I think the, the, the best thing, nothing gives me more pleasure than um, taking all of you to unexpected places to see the riches of, um, of the world. Yeah, I remember being with Ludo and seeing dolphins for the first time. And he said, Mummy, this is the best day of my whole life. And just pinching myself that we were all together and experiencing and ca- and it together. And do you remember camping out in Africa and we heard lions roaring in the distance and we were in the tent and I was watching um, dung beetles take her poo as she actually pooed onto the ground. And it was brilliant. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to make you a really good dinner, I promise you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed listening to Ben, you're going to love his programs. Ben's award-winning series, New Lives in the World, is something we love watching as a family. We have this tradition of documentary dinner on a Sunday night when we're both exhausted after the weekend. And the children love learning about how families live in very different circumstances in extremely remote corners of the world. So it's all available on Catch Up on Channel 5. And the new series starts quite soon, doesn't it? Uh, n- n- well, I've got a few more to film, I'm afraid. I don't know if I mentioned. I'm, so what, in the autumn? It will be on in the autumn, yeah. I've got about another four to film still. So this is autumn 2018. Mm-hmm. Ben's books are all available on Amazon. Quite a range of subjects, from rowing the Atlantic to Land Rovers, Labradors, and the quirks of the English. And Ben's Instagram is very entertaining. It's a visual travelogue from someone who travels to some of the most extraordinary places on the planet. You can follow his Everest attempt on both Twitter and Instagram. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Parenthood. If you're enjoying our podcasts, please do take a second to rate us wherever you get your podcasts from. It makes it easier for new listeners to find us. And the more listeners we have, the more episodes we can record. Do also follow us on Instagram. We're at theparent.hood. It's the perfect place to hear what we're recording next and let us know what you want us to talk about. But in the meantime, from Ben and me, thanks for listening. You're really good. <laughs> you surprised? <laughs> you can have my job. <laughs>